This week's episode of the Lone Star Outdoors Show proudly brought to you by Kent Cartridge and Fast Steel 2.0. Back when uh, I first got into serious waterfowling in college, Kent Cartridge made the most affordable premium load on the market. They are still doing the exact same thing with Fast Steel 2.0. It's the evolution of the OG of premium waterfowl loads and Fast Steel. Uh, but if you want a hard-hitting waterfowl load that doesn't leave you chasing cripples but doesn't hurt the pocketbook at the same time, check out Kent's Fast Steel 2.0, available in all of your favorite shot sizes. It's widely available at Cabela's, Bass Pro, Shields, you name it. And uh, you can find their entire dealer list at kentcartridge.com. And we lived it fast. And we played it hard And we did not pay our dues, my friend With our daddy's master card I don't want to die in the bag Of Hank Williams' Cadillac Crucified on a treble clef made of Cable Smith, welcome everybody into this week's episode of SCI's Lone Star Outdoors Show, episode 589, presented by Mossberg Firearms. That's the late, great Chris Wall. Heard he passed away last week after a uh, lengthy battle with cancer and got that news while I was in Africa. So sad to hear it. Uh, one of the true pioneers of Texas music, one of my favorites as well. Uh, so rest in peace, Chris. You will be missed, but your music will live on, no doubt about that. Um, thank you guys and gals for being here, as we've got a great show lined up for you. This is the Africa 2021 episode 2.0, as I was lucky enough to uh, head over to South Africa for the second time this year, due to the fact that the uh, 2020 trip was canceled because of COVID. So we've got much to discuss as uh, we'll roll the interviews that I taped in the John X Safari's camp there on South Africa's beautiful Eastern Cape. But uh, before we do that, you know what to do by now. Pull up that stool a little closer to the old campfire. Pour yourself another cup of coffee out of that beat-up old Stanley Thermos, the one granddaddy passed down years ago. If it's like mine, it's probably still got mud caked on it from duck seasons come and gone. But uh, pour yourself another cup, because we are ready to rock and roll. And off the top, we'll be joined by my good friend, my PH, and second-generation owner and operator of John X Safari's Carl Van Sale. We'll discuss our safari. Uh, it was another epic adventure, another chapter written in... Uh, well, I think I could write a book <laughs> about the adventures that Carl and I have had on the uh, Dark Continent, but... Anyway, this one was different because for the first time, I took a bow with me instead of a rifle. Let me tell you, traveling with a bow, much easier than traveling with a gun. That was one thing that stood out. No paperwork. Yeah, you still have to like claim your bow at the oversized baggage, and it's a little cumbersome, but whew, way different than my previous experiences uh, taking a rifle over to Africa. Not that it's uh, impossible. I mean, hell, I've done it four times. But a bow, nobody cares. It was kind of liberating. Uh, so we'll talk about the 
game that we pursued with the stick and string are successes and failures because there were plenty of each, as well as a very taboo topic of hunting that big spotted creature, the tall one. You know what I'm talking about. Why is a giraffe considered taboo? It doesn't make any sense to me, and it doesn't make any sense to Carl, and it doesn't fit the sustainable use hunting model that has been so successful in North America and parts of Africa. So we thought long and hard about this and have researched and studied the population trends in different regions that allow hunting versus those that don't allow hunting. Because all you'll hear in the media these days is giraffe are endangered. Well, that's not really true. And we'll get into that coming up here in a, in a little bit. But certainly a topic and a hunt that we took on with, I'm not going to say trepidation because we knew what we were doing was worthwhile, but one that I think we thought about a lot more than any previous experience. So cool stuff coming up with Carl. And then we'll be joined by his lovely sister, Lee Phillips, who runs the kitchen at John X Safari's camp. And Lee is an absolute master at turning venison, various venison cuts into culinary dishes that will absolutely blow your mind. She'll share a couple of my favorites from this past week coming up here at the uh, bottom of the hour. So certainly looking forward to talking wild game with one of my favorite chefs ever. Uh, so that's what's on the docket for today. Going to be a good one. Guarantee you that. Let's do a quick giveaway. I've got a cap and t-shirt from our latest sponsor, Numa, our new apparel sponsor. Um, and here's the cool thing. Starting next week, you'll save 20% off any Numa order when you use my promo code LONESTAR20. And that will be active next week, by the way. So... Uh, but I've got a cap and t-shirt from NUMA that we'll give away this week. Just email the word NUMA. That's P-N-U-M-A, NUMA. It's P-Silent. Uh, to Lone Star Outdoors Show at gmail.com. And uh, I ran this stuff through the ringer on this hunt in Africa. NUMA gear stood up to the test and passed with flying colors. Super excited to be involved with this apparel company that is based out of Texas and mirrors my beliefs and my values. So uh, really pumped about uh, being involved with NUMA. Let's take a quick break. Coming up next, my friend and professional hunter, Carl Van Seal of John X Safaris joins me right here on SCI's Homestar Outdoor Show. I don't want no hard stuff, for I am not insane. It may have what killed Elvis. There's something nostalgic about the old-timey general store, and that's exactly what you're going to find in downtown Goldwaite, Texas, at the Mills County General Store. They're licensed FFL with rifle, pistols, and shotguns, ammo, gun accessories, hunting accessories, deer corn, and attractants, sporting goods. They've got a wide array of knives to choose from, plus insulated apparel for both work and camo for hunting season fishing supplies they've got foods like anchor tea grass-fed beef dublin sodas gourmet sauces and a whole lot more 
Also, Ace Hardware. From wall to wall, they have it all. Check it out. The Mills County General Store right there in Goldthwaite, Texas. Hi, Brett Jepson here with Three Curl Lease Connection. I'd like to invite you to come enjoy some of Texas' best dove hunting just minutes outside of Dallas. We have many private dove leases available for this upcoming season, including milo, wheat, sunflower, and cornfields. Leases come in different sizes and prices, so we can fit anyone's budget. We have the lease that's perfect for you and your group. We don't overcrowd multiple groups into one property, and you'll have the first pick at renewing your lease for years to come. Please visit us at 3curl.com and click on leases for your property listings. That's T-H-R-E-E-C-U-R-L.com. Cable Smith, welcoming everybody back to SCI's Lone Star Outdoors show presented by Mossberg Firearms. Wilder than her, the name of that one. Kind of reminds me of my wife and I. I'm a little wilder than her, but it's only because of Aaron's support that I'm able to uh, travel the globe pursuing these critters that you and I love to hunt. So uh, thank you, darling. I do appreciate you more than you know. Uh, this segment of the presentation brought to you by... Lone Star Ag Credit lands the one thing they're not making any more of, but we all want it. They've been helping their borrowers finance their own piece of paradise for over 100 years. They'll do the same for you, and you can find them at LoneStarAgCredit.com. Okay, well, it's time to take a listen to the conversation that Carl Van Sale and I taped at John X Safari's camp on South Africa's Eastern Cape last week. Carl and I have a pretty good rapport at this point. Uh, gosh, this being our fifth, I think, fifth safari together now. And the adventures and laughs and screw-ups, to be frank, and successes have been many. So this trip was no exception. And let's take a listen right now. Carl, it's great to be back here in camp uh, the second time this year. So uh, last year was kind of... Insane, but a blessing in disguise. I get to see you twice in Africa here in uh, 2021. Yeah, Cable, great to have you back, mate. Um, it's been a pleasant surprise this year. You were the pioneer in getting guys to come to Africa and return. And then to come on your second trip this year, it, uh, you're one of a kind. You're oh. a rare find. And you've <laughs> been the, the leader in getting hunters to keep traveling to Africa and bringing them. And we're most grateful for that, mate. And so good to have you back. Yeah, and we're, I think we're at a point now in our relationship where you, you, you're comfortable calling me your redneck, so, yeah, it's... Uh, I call you an educated redneck. <laughs> educated redneck, yeah. Well, I'm happy to be your redneck and, and happy to be here, and this uh, this trip, we decided to undertake something different, although I thought we were on the same page. You told me while I was here that you knew, like, 10 days out that I was bringing a bow and, and no rifle this time. Yeah, I, I noticed on, on your Instagram that you were doing a lot of bow <laughs> in the backyard and, and, and actually my wife Trish brought it to my attention that Cable's practicing an awful lot of bow. And I thought, I didn't make take much notice of it. And then uh, you dropped a hint with like, I don't know, maybe you di maybe I didn't listen before, but with 10 days ago, you were like, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm bringing my bow. So I was um, caught off guard, but pleasantly surprised and happy for the new challenge. So typically when you have a bow hunter come, you have other PHs who really enjoy it and, and specialize in that. 
Yeah, absolutely, okay. Well, I never grew up with a bow in my hand, and, and, and I'm always one to believe that those who did can probably and most notably do a better job than me. And of course, uh, I've I've got 20 years of guiding experience, and the fundamentals are the same. But but bow hunting is something different, and and I do have I've got two to three guys in my team that are bow hunting junkies. I mean, these guys bow, sleep, hunt, live, do everything bow. Uh, when they're not guiding here with me, they're hunting with the bow themselves. And, and and so in the past, how it's basically worked is that those guys were the guys who got the bow hunts. Mm-hmm. And uh, so so here I was, you know, you you and I are a team, and, and so we were going to do it no matter what. BL, uh, BLB. Yeah, the blind leading the blind. <laughs> well, so we had a few uh, species on the, on the list for this hunt. Um, we started with Kalahari springbuck. Actually, we started with Sable here. And, uh, say, but, yeah. but before we get to the start, yeah. I have to tell the listeners that uh, the thing that impressed me the most was Sable tech driving the what we call the bow butt yeah, in Africa. And it was pretty impressive the first day. I'm not sure what to expect, but I tell you what, he was uh, Robin Hood himself. So oh, I was quite confident that's going a stretch, into day one. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we, uh, we got after the Sable. That was... Probably number one on my list for the yeah. bow on this trip. One an, an animal that I think is just absolutely stunning. Uh, they call it the Prince of the Plains for good reason. I think when it comes to mounts, a good-looking sable mount for my for me is about as good as it gets. Yeah, I know absolutely. It's an impressive piece in any room. It's an impressive impressive animal when you see it out there. And and without a doubt, um, I know very few hunters or travelers to Africa that, that don't fall in love with Sable. Mm-hmm. It's hard not to, you know, and, and you did from that very first trip. And we've kind of meandered through the various species and 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 finally you, you placed this challenge on my table with a bow. Mm-hmm. And so day one, we find a nice uh, herd of Sable. Yeah. Actually, we stocked one, and oh, right off the bat, first thing we did, busted. Exactly. <laughs> I forgot about that one. Yeah, we were busted with <laughs> before we even started that, yeah. and he was out of there, and he had our number. And then onto that herd, like you say, and and I enjoyed seeing your excitement getting in within forty yards, and we took we, our shoes off. Yeah, we got a nice thorn in my foot, which uh, I pulled out with the havel so on the next. You, you lost the bet. So yeah. <laughs> that that you still owe us a round of drinks. <laughs> Well, luckily, when I come here, all the drinks are on you. So. <laughs> I'll buy you one in Dallas. Perfect. Yeah. Um, so we get onto that herd and get within range of of a bull, but you were like, he just needs another year. So. Yeah, it just wasn't what we after. It's not the kind of quality we like to pursue a bull that's not old enough yet. Um, and and while at times a, a animal might boast fantastic qualities of trophy, you know, if if, if you had to look at uh, at judging it in that manner. If he's not of the correct age, then it's just not the one we want to take. And the variety is endless and the numbers are abundant. So there's no need to push the envelope on an animal like that. We let him walk and we keep going. It's not like there's only one chance. To your credit, I think it has to be said that you never lowered your standards. Yes, we made it infinitely more difficult on ourselves. We could have smoked... Who who knows how many sable with a rifle? Oh, absolutely. But um, you stuck to your guns of hey, if it's not something that I'm proud of as a PH, then we're not going to fling an arrow at it. Absolutely, Cable. You know, I don't believe that the harder it gets, the the easier we are on our judgment. I believe the right animal, no matter what the situation, and 
And it's something I've stuck by for 20 years and it's something I'll continue to do no matter what the method, the instrument or the desire of the hunter as long as it's legal. I do believe strongly in the fact that at times where your hunter is not educated, it is important to educate him accordingly in a manner that he can be proud and speak from educated point of view. Mm-hmm. You know, the worst thing in the world is listening to somebody who believes or was made to believe he hunted something that was really good when in actual fact reality is not that. Right. And I think that the only loser in that at the end of the day is is the guide. Mm-hmm. You know, it's 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 not it's not fair on the hunter. Right. You know? Right. Um and the way that you guys have structured your safari company is that you don't sell packages. And I think that needs to be said for for that reason. Like you know, if you've bought a package of five animals, well then the pH feels all the pressure in the world to deliver those animals. Absolutely. And you're going to get lesser quality for yeah. that reason. I mean, you imagine to yourself, Gabby, you put yourself in the shoes of the guide. You've got seven days. You're on day four. The weather's been tough. You've had one or two opportunities. You haven't been able to make the most of those opportunities. And now suddenly, with two days to go, a kudubul steps up. That In his heart, maybe he knows, oof, not quite, mm-hmm. but it will pass. We're not trying to hunt what will pass. Right. We're trying to hunt what is 100% correct and what we are proud of. So to go in and offer a package, you know, um, the only package we do offer is a single species package, and that is our Cape Buffalo package. That yeah. is it. And we do that for good reason. We sell that as seven or ten days and one Cape Buffalo. What a hunter adds to that is up to him. It takes what Africa gives him. But the Cape Buffalo one species deal is something we feel is manageable and achievable because you're not chasing your tail. Mm-hmm. So that is the only one. But you're 100% right. Yeah. Um, Which someday I'm going to talk to your dad because he, the business has changed because yes. he kind of pioneered the package back in the early days. Yes. Um, but he had so much, so much access, access to so much land. Yes. And the market hadn't really caught on. So it was a brilliant plan back then in the 80s. Um, not so much now. No, no, absolutely not. But it did allow the the industry to grow. Uh-huh. It allowed our wildlife to thrive because the demand grew overnight. Yeah. And uh, we were able to build an industry that has seen more wild places being dedicated for wildlife only than ever before. Traditional land and ra- ranches where cattle, goat, sheep or crops were farmed are now today game only. So the winner at the end of the day was game only. But, you know, like any like anything in every industry, you got to fine-tune things. And, yeah, today you're still going to find packages out there, create deals, um, without a doubt. You just have to decide with your limited amount of time what experience you're after. Mm-hmm. Do you want to hunt large areas with a higher quality, or are you happy to do smaller areas with large off-takes? You know, that is mm-hmm. ultimately the challenge. Yeah. Well, so... We, we passed on that sable on day one, and we headed north to the Karoo, um, about two hours from here, roughly. But it's different climate. It's colder. It, there's more mountains yeah, and um, some species up there. So most of the guys on the trip uh, packed their bags, and, and we headed uh, north. And our number one species up there was Kalahari springbuck. And and tell us a little bit about that because I've shot with you, I've shot uh, common springbuck and I've shot a black springbuck. What is different about the, the Kalahari springbuck? You know, Cable, the Kalahari springbuck and it's called the Kalahari springbuck because it originated in an area up in the Kalahari desert. Mm-hmm. And um, 
you know, all these springbok are common springbok, but the different regions like, for example, the deer hunters would tell you that a deer in Texas is like this, but a deer in um, in in British Columbia is like that. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's just different quality, different regions. Um, and I see that with your mule deer as well, not only whitetail, but the Kalahari springbok tradition is heavier. It's a bigger buck, it's a bigger bodied animal, bigger horned animal, everything is just bigger. It's superior quality. And what guides have done, like my good friend Neil, um, up in the Karoo, that many of the listeners who, who might have met Neil hunting with us in the past will, will know Neil is a very passionate springbok man. And for over 25 years, he's dedicated so much of that passion to the population on his ranch uh, out there in the Great Karoo. He's got a big place, over 30,000 acres. And uh, really, he's done an unbelievable job with the quality and the numbers of Springbuck. And you were fortunate to literally be in Springbuck Evan for a couple of days. <laughs> and when I put my hands on our Springbuck, I, I, I didn't have a reference because I didn't have my previous ones in my in my hand as well. But then when we got back to to camp and saw what a regular Springbuck looked like, it was like twice as big. I mean, it was mind blowing. Yeah. Yeah, it's my bases. The and and then the body size was certainly bigger as well. Yeah, um, I'm still blown away. Yeah, it's 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 something that is so unique, and and yet it looks the same. Yeah. If I showed you out there, yes, you go, mm, body's a bit bigger, but truly you don't quite see the difference until they're on the ground. But yeah. otherwise, they look the same, same coloration, just superior quality. And that particular hunt cable, um, we actually used a pop up line. Yeah. which was a, a one of our techniques we were hoping to pursue this week. And we had two species on the on the list for, for the northern area, uh, Calorie Springbuck and, and Lechway. For, so the first day in the pop-up line, I shot right, right underneath a monster Springbuck. Well, I say actually shot over him. Over. Sorry, he ducked yeah. there. We, Duck. we went back and looked at the footage, yeah. um, which that's there's nothing else to be said for having a cameraman too when you're bow hunting. It's like now you've got a third cog in the wheel it just is like adds that that's a little more uh, difficulty but i thought i made a good shot and the, we go back and the, the spring bucks ass is basically on the ground arrow goes right over him and i'm cussing myself and like but hey the next day brings more opportunity yeah absolutely and we went back to the blind that next morning and we got set up in the blind and we had we had thought long and hard about our previous days opportunity or chance however you want to look at it and said you know these springbuck are are really sharp and they kind of you know either duck or jump string and duck being their preference and we said we're going to aim lower and uh springbuck came in and uh, exactly what you did you 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 made you you kept it lower and this time the springbuck didn't duck as low and we hit the springbuck low but he uh, he did not even go 80 yards, 100 yards, and went and lay down and bled out. and We got to watch him lay down. and Yeah. So it was a, a very cool experience. Uh, our first success on this adventure. Yes, day three. Yeah. yeah day yeah. three. And yeah. I mean, all the rest of the guys, some of them have been here before. And yeah. Stacking up beautiful trophies. Yeah. Having wonderful experiences. And we're, we're finding a new level of frustration on our <laughs> endeavor. But that's okay. You know, we that's what we wanted. Yeah. Um, and... So we got that springbuck on the ground and and then went after Lechway uh, for the afternoon. Had multiple encounters, but, you know, 65 yards, busted. We're hiding in the reeds. We're, that was pretty cool, though. It was just Lechway liked to live in these wet environments. Yeah, like marsh environment. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and 
you know, everything around those marshes is wide open. Yeah. So you, you need them to be as close as you can to the marsh, but not necessarily in the marsh. Because yeah. that's where you want to be. So When we say marsh, we're like basically talking about like river and creek yes. bottoms. Correct. Some dried, some still, you yes. know, with uh, water in them. But we're using that as like our navigation system to try to get close enough to the ledgeway. But it was still a, a heck of a challenge and a heck of a hunt. We, we knew going into that that it was really not going to be easy. It was going to be a, a, a challenge that, that we knew the chance of success, probably 10, 15, 20%. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we didn't go in with our eyes closed. No. But we also felt that in the past we have uh, been able to pull a few rabbits out of the hat. So why not? <laughs> yeah, and, and actually came to full draw on just a bull that didn't, again, make the cut as far as trophy quality age class is concerned yeah so we let him pass and uh, and th- that was difficult i have to say that i i felt if ever there was pressure in our time together i felt you had put in a lot i felt that you were whipped worn out we were wind blown our knees were starting to show a bit of moisture through so there was there was even a bit of blood on the knees there and our hands were more thorns in there than on the ground and We'd been crawling for hours, you know, and I, everything in me wanted me to tell you, you can let an arrow fly, but I knew it wasn't the right thing. Mm-hmm. And we walked away from that, but that one was difficult. That was yeah. a tough one to walk away from. So we made it back to uh, the woodlands, to, yeah. to the main camp. Um, day four, got up and went after Sable once again. And we're going to take a quick break here, and then we're going to talk about that hunt because it was that one was one of the most exciting ones I think we've had together. And that segment was brought to you by Rustic Reminders Taxidermy. They will be doing my entire African safari, as they always do. Whether it's an African safari, though, or a white-tailed buck from South Texas, a trout from the coast, you name it. Or a full-body-mounted lynx, like I'm looking at in the studio right now. They do amazing work with fast turnaround time. They answer the phone when you call. And you can find them at gr8mounts.com. We'll be right back with more tales from the Dark Continent right here meet you on SCI's Pulsar Night Vision and Thermal Imaging Technology has been helping me light up the night for over a decade. Uh, currently got two incredible units, the Helion 2.0 thermal monocular, like you can detect things out in a field over a thousand yards. It's insanity. Plus, pairing that with a Thermion XP50 thermal rifle scope. Dude, it's like poor pigs, to be honest with you. Coyotes as well. It's uh, the technology alone has come so far in the last few years, and the price has gone down, so the working man can't afford it. The Thermion has internal recording. It has a diverse color palette. You want to do red hot, white hot, black hot, which is my favorite. You know, there's other ones as well. It's got too many to even count off the top of my head. It is the creme de la creme when it comes to thermal optics. It's the Thermion XP50. You can find it at PulsarNV.com. Spawn is right around the corner. Your reels have been re-spooled, and the tackle box is ready to roll. But the question is, can your truck handle another season of pulling your boat in and out of the water every weekend? Call David Boone at Third Coast Diesels. He'll make sure your truck is not what sinks your next fishing trip. Offering a widespread array of diesel parts and services, call 214-326-1176 or visit thirdcoastdiesels.com today. 
Hey, this is Nick Munt from Bone Collector, and you're listening to the Lone Star Outdoor Show. Storm clouds broke and the sunshine came. You rode a stone, you broke the chains. Yeah, you broke those chains. Took me Cable Smith, welcoming everybody back to SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show, presented by Mossberg Firearms. Thank you so much for being here. As we're still visiting with my PH and good friend, Carl Van Sale of John X Safaris, before we dive back into that conversation. However, this segment is proudly brought to you by Mossberg Firearms. Check out the Mossberg Patriot lineup, whether you're looking for something for your kiddo, like a 22-250 that Henry shoots, or or something bigger for Western Big Game, like a 300 Win Mag, or a 7 Mag, or even a 375 Ruger, like one would take Cape Buffalo hunting. They've got it all, and everything in between. You can find the Patriot lineup at Mossberg.com. All right, well, let's go ahead and continue our uh, Team BLB blind leading the blind bow hunting conversation with a good friend, Carl Van Seel. Let's talk about the sable hunt. I think this was actually, we, we got onto the same bull that busted us that first day. Am I correct? No. Um, was, yes, sorry. Sorry. Yes, it was. Not the, uh, the, 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 the first bull that morning. You, yeah. You're correct. The bull that, we, that didn't give us even half a chance. Yeah, yeah you're correct. correct. And he's with a herd of cows here. Yeah. On a, a, a gentle slope, I would say. Yeah, with a good ravine running up to it, you know. Yeah. I think that's what our, our eyes lit up when we saw that ravine. We we saw cover, we saw an opportunity, eh? And the wind was pretty good. And we headed off into that ravine and what, not even a hundred yards and we had a problem. Hmm. We had mountain reedbuck <laughs> yeah. at thirty yards. Yeah. And I all I wanted to do was see a ram to just get momentum on our hunt. Uh, I think any hunt, especially African hunt, where the variety is endless. You need a bit of momentum uh, to, to see things going. And, oh, I was hoping for a mountain reed buck, but there just wasn't, I couldn't spot a ram. Yeah. You know, they were within 20 yards and they didn't know we were there. The wind was absolutely perfect. I think that needs to be kind of underlined is, you know, you, you get busted by other animals in North America and they can screw your hunt up, but there's so many different species here inhabit, inhabiting the same habitat, yeah. sharing it. Yeah. That, you know, damn it. It's like, hey, thanks, Mountain Reed Bucker. Thanks, Water Buck. You know, thanks for botching this for us. Yeah. Uh, but we... For bow hunting, that's, it happens all the time. And, and it's, it's, it's the real challenge. Yeah. I often feel half the challenge is the animal you pursue, and the bigger challenge is what else is going to give you away. Yeah. And we, we luckily, we were able to skirt by those Mountain Reed Buck, and by the time they noticed us and winded us, they, were, they actually went downwind which was a blessing didn't mm -hmm. expect that was hopeful of it but glad they did that and uh, we we then got to that point of the hunt where we knew this was as good opportunity as we've had on sable or safari and we were going to have to dig deep now and and it wasn't merely a crawl it was a proper leopard crawl at that stage <laughs> yeah. and it had to be a long a belly one. crawl a belly crawl yeah. it was going to be a long one and it took us more than an hour to cover 50 yards. Yeah. Real slow going. And uh, the sable had no idea we were there. When, like you said, perfect, the we're able to use the elevation change of yeah. the of the slope to, to stay hidden um, and ultimately crawled within 40 yards of the entire herd. Uh, 
and I think that was when it was decision time. Like, yeah. do we sit here and wait for them to stand up or what your gut just told you, Hey, you're just going to stand up. The bull will probably pause. And that's, you know, we, we ranged him. We knew where he was. We could see his horns. Yeah. So, you know, my decision was actually based on waterbuck. As mm. crazy as that sounds, there, there was a group of waterbuck feeding up above us to our right, above the stable. And my feeling was that those waterbuck were going to be handed down the way they were heading. They were going to come walk right onto us. And we, there was no point waiting to be busted. I'd rather push the point and be busted, but take an opportunity. And um, that's when I asked you to, to do something that I haven't asked of you before. And I, I said to you, Gable, I'm not sure if this is what you normally do, but I'm going to need you to stretch out one leg, draw and get up and uh, let's see what the sable does. <laughs> and he actually ran closer Yeah. stopped. He didn't stop. Initially he just got up and sprinted and then he stopped and looked at us. Yeah. And I didn't have time to range it. It wasn't, you know, it was one of those reaction shots and hit him a little back, but you know, one that I think we were both happy with the result. Oh, ab- absolutely. Given the situation, absolutely. Um, even though it was a little bit back, it was a it it, it was a, a shot that we knew was was good enough to, to to get us where we wanted to be. And 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 in Africa, we 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 are fortunate to have these terriers, these dogs we have with us. And and in a situation where we feel a, a like that, I knew that arrow was a little bit back from running away. I could see where the arrow was. Um. I immediately called in uh, my, my, my little dog, Flash, and uh, he, he picked up on the trail, and um, it was all action. Mm-hmm. And I, I saw what Cable looks like sprinting, and I, I know what he looked like back in the day. <laughs> That's right. And we actually did watch him for, you know, we didn't immediately put the dog on. We, were, yeah. we watched him for maybe an hour. And yeah, we're like, we, okay. we lay for an hour. And, and, we could, and the animal would have died, but you don't want him to suffer. And so we're like, we can end this very quickly with the dog. Yeah, let's do that. And and the other the the cool thing about the sable that I did not know, unlike various other species that will run from the dog, sable's kind of fatal flaws. He'll turn and fight. A sable fights. Yeah, a, a kudu actually is also a big fighter. But things like gamsback, things like hard. Oh, the kudu will fight. A kudu likes okay. to fight. Yeah, all the spirals like to fight. They they'll turn and fight like a sable. Uh, but a sable in particular, he always fights. Say, eh? uh, things like springbuck and things like that. They they don't fight. They yeah. want to run. They want to you know flight and not fight. That is. So the, I, I even asked you. I said, obviously we don't want to lose this animal, and he's going to die. Yeah. From this arrow. Yeah. So if we put the dog on him, do we risk losing him? And you're like, absolutely not. He's going to turn and fight Flash, yeah. and we'll get up to him, and the dog will have him distracted, and we'll get another arrow in him. Yeah. Finish the deal. Yeah. Exactly. And. And, and Flash bait him up high first, um, up on the slope, actually. The, the sable kind of went up higher than we, we, we had started that on. And he was out in the open there. We, and we tried to get within a 40-yard range. And obviously Flash fighting him, a lot of moving parts there. And I wanted to be sure we were closer to the 30-yard mark to make sure the arrow was true. And, you know, in that situation where my dog is working, I don't want to hit my dog. Mm-hmm. And uh, you always very careful. You know, we've had plenty of experiences with dogs before as well. And um, I don't know what that says about us, but uh, <laughs> we, we, we we like hunting warthogs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if anyone hasn't seen the warthog video, go check that out because that was a that was a rodeo, but uh, in a good way at the end of the day. Basically, one of the most legendary hunts we've ever had. Yeah. Yeah. Really. But um, yeah, Flash he did his job, and it, while we couldn't get onto him initially. 
uh, we then uh, we were able to get onto him in the valley where we had a bit more cover and we had one little window where you had to kind of string an arrow through. I don't know how you did it, but I tell you, if ever you hit anything square, you hit better, him square. Better then be lucky than good, girl. I so. tell you, you hit him square through a little hollow in the brush and and, and that was it. That's all, all she wrote. Yeah, yeah. Uh, walking up on that sable was... I don't know, I've, we've taken a lot of nice animals together, but like I said, going back originally my comment of the Prince of the Plains and just how regal and majestic a bull sable is. It was, it was awesome. Yeah. It, 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 it's something that it's an absolute privilege. And I, I'm lucky to do this more than once or twice a year to see an hunter's expression the very first time they see a sable. And, and the listener, if you've never experienced anything like this, if I could ever recommend one thing, maybe not in your first trip to Africa, but, on one of those future trips, make the most of, a, of of the opportunity of hunting a sable. It is something that will really, it will blow your mind. The beauty and mm-hmm. the majesticness of the animal and the color. It's it's something I, I saw you actually sit down and have a little moment there. And that's wonderful to see. Mm. That's what makes it worth a day. And then to open up his mouth and see his teeth worn pretty much to flat. the gum line. Yeah, yeah, flat to the gum. So he was probably eight, nine years old. Eight, nine years old, yeah. And, 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 you know, the teeth flat to the gum. He had this fantastic secondary growth, broken down, broken tips. They were worn down. You know, the tips mm-hmm. was as blunt as, the, as, your, as your thumb, you know. So, you know, I, I couldn't have asked or hoped for a better animal. Couldn't have asked for a better result. Um, your priority, we had finally achieved and... And and now we were hunting with a freedom of of something in the salt of mm. something we really needed, you know. Yeah. Um. And and that took us that took us into the afternoon, an exciting afternoon. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, sitting at a a blind overlooking a um, water hole, and I think the kind of species. So this isn't like the wildebeest and the zebra hartebeest habitat. This is more kudu. Bushbuck, Eland, yes. things that like the dense habitat. Yes. Uh, and you knew that there were some Eland that were coming in there. Yeah, I, I actually did not expect the Eland to, to, to come in when they did. Um, I was quietly really hoping for a waterbuck or a kudu because you had said, you know, um, a waterbuck something that with, that we can, you know, look at pursuing sometime. And, and, and I know you're a, you, you, you're a bit of an addict for kudu. So mm-hmm. we, we, we're never far behind on the kudu quest. Mm-hmm. So um, I actually quietly was hoping for a nice kudu bull to step in and, and, and come into the water and the blind there. And it did. It, it did. It did. But not before, as per usual, you spotted a nice water coming in, except yeah. he wouldn't. He wouldn't quite come into the water. He kind of just passed the water in our, our vicinity there. And man, well, you said previously that the biggest warthog you think that's ever been that in the I woodlands. know. Yeah, the biggest pig that I know of at the moment lives right around that water hole. But we've been hunting him all season. We've not been able to strike. He's, he's wily that one. He's wily. He's smart old pig. Yeah. You know, a, a big warthog ball will be one of the smart smartest animals you'll pursue in Africa. Mm-hmm. Very, very smart. While they are prolific and, and the listener might think, but they're everywhere. That's that's true. They are everywhere and you will see hundreds. But find a big old bull with big yellow tusks and a, and, and a, and a big body. That is a rarity. Mm-hmm. They are smart. Well, so he, he buggered off and then the kudu, uh, 
Kudu just ended up being yeah, just a couple a years young. Yeah, just nice a Kudu, nothing, nothing, nothing yeah. worth uh, the excitement levels. But uh, nonetheless, a Kudu coming in, which is a, it's a win if you're in a pit blind. Um, so it's, it, it was a good sign, you know. If a young bull can walk in, an old bull can too. These blinds, I think, are worth mentioning too. So if anyone's interested in, in coming and hunting with John X, um, we obviously found success in a pop-up. We yeah. found success with spot and stock. Yeah. And, I, you know, if we hadn't have had other things that were going to occupy our time, we could have spot and stock many other times. Oh, absolutely. We really only spent four days, like, fully invested. Yeah. The pit blind something unique you guys made. It's basically like a wooden frame. Um, but when I say wooden, it's like logs that you guys cut. And yeah, we, we basically uh, dug down. It's like a log cabin that's correct like a, turned into a blind. Yeah, so we dug down and built the structure like a log cabin. We then sealed it with what we call damp course, what building building plastic, mm-hmm. and uh, we then covered the entire thing with soil to make it look like a big termite mound. Yeah, and it blocks in scent unbelievably well. They are extremely quiet and comfortable and spacious inside, and um, our bow hunters have come to enjoy them tremendously. Mm-hmm. Um, they've very been, roomy. I mean, enough for the two of us and a cameraman. Yeah, no problem. No problem. Some of them yeah. even have hammocks in, so you can be real comfortable. <laughs> comfortable chairs in there. I wore you out, so you even took a little snooze on the floor. I told you. Yeah. It's very important to have a nap. No success will be had in the blind without a nap. <laughs> so here, uh, yeah, and I think that you were, uh, you might have been awake, but just kind of in and out, and here come the Eland. Um, immediately snapped to action, and, you know, get your bow if there's a nice bull, get a range on him. I don't know what happened. If I just got big bull fever, if I pulled the shot, but it was about six inches to a foot of where I was aiming back. You're kind of like, Oh no, you hit him back. Thankfully. Yeah. Two things happened. We, number one, we had a cameraman. Yeah. And Grant got awesome footage of the shot. Went back and looked at the shot. And you're like, okay, it's not as, it's not as bad as I thought initially. Yeah. So, and, 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 and luckily the hut saved us on that one. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and secondly, like you were saying, the other luck was without us expecting or knowing it, your good buddy Eric and my my good friend Ed mm-hmm. were up on the hill just on their way off on their own hunt and came across our tracker and as inquisitive as Edward normally is, he kind of snuck over and asked my tracker, what's happening? And my tracker said to him, they've put an arrow into an Eden. Well, Edward didn't need much more bait and Eric was on the spotting scope. And <laughs> the two of them were lending a hand from up high on the ridge and they then spotted the Eden where they'd run off from, from our initial arrow flying uh not even 70 yards and they settled down again obviously there was no sound it's not like a rifle and uh then obviously it was very difficult to try and see what bull it is because quite a few bulls if, if i can give the listener an idea there's a, it, there might be a good reason for cable getting a bit of buck fever on this one Th- this particular group um only afterwards when we counted there were 13 bulls eden bulls coming in and if you've ever seen a proper Elon bull, you'll know it's a pretty impressive animal. Well, how much do you think they weigh? Uh, at the prime, they will be eight hundred to a thousand kilograms. At the so prime, that's like on the hoof, sixteen hundred to two thousand pounds. Yeah, correct. Yeah. Wow. So you've got probably eight of them in that class, and four or five of them not quite that are half the age, yeah. maybe in the thousand pound class. 
but nonetheless, pretty impressive animals to be at uh, within 25 yards. Yeah, no. Um, my arrow setup, I think, was something that helped save that shot because if we got a clean pass through, um, 72-pound elite, 125 uh, grain, um, Crimson Talon Outlaw broadheads. And this is the first time I've ever shot the micro diameter arrows you might have noticed how skinny they were yes and uh a good fr- a friend my bow technician told me I, he thought these would be better carry more kinetic energy yeah um so we got at least got the clean pass through there and fortunately ed was able to find the elon that he's described as wobbly yeah uh not sure on his feet yeah but even though from a distance you, you, you think you've got the right bull, you know, I'm trying mm-hmm. to explain to him on the radio what you look for, and Ed's going, sounds pretty good, and what I'm seeing I'm happy with. Um, our challenge ultimately was it was time to make a decision. Um, get out, sneak out of the blind, get up onto the ridge, get out there before nightfall, number one. Or number and two. avoid Cape Buffalo. Cause and avoid Cape Buffalo. All over that area. <laughs> exactly. Or number two, go in and possibly push up the Elan and, you know, the Elan's adrenaline might start, uh, you know, flowing and we might lose the Elan. And, and we luckily and maturely both decided that we're going to walk away from this and let him be and we'll be back the next morning. It was a, a difficult walk up the hill. It was mm-hmm. a quiet one, not many words spoken. Mm. I think a lot of nerves, a lot of I'm not sure, a lot of doubt and, and then obviously a, a night you sleep on it. Yeah. You always love those nights, restless ones, but restless. Next morning comes, have a cup of coffee, and uh, you guys do soft-boiled eggs here, which I'm a big fan of for breakfast. Um, I'm not sure about that other stuff you put on your toast that tastes like salt. What is that stuff called? It's bovril or marmite. Terrible. And it is Terrible. Uh, just like sweet things go on toast. That is no, not. No, oh, no. You guys crap with peanut butter. We grow up with that. Yeah, so we love it. <laughs> Um, that's about the only thing I've tried in South Africa that I'm like, um, I'm good on that. But, uh, so we get up and, and we get up high and immediately see the Eland where Ed last saw him. So great sign. It He's was, probably dead, right? Yeah. Uh, and he lays not 60 yards from the blind. Yeah. And so where Ed saw him is where he went and died. And we didn't know until we got down there how quickly he died, but it was, there was blood everywhere. And um, I mean, truth be told, that Eden was dead. By the time we, when got we to the were truck. walking up that hill the previous evening, it was all over. But, you know, uh, hindsight is much easier. But, uh, you know, at the time we felt we did the right thing and I, I, would, and I would do it again. I would do it again, exactly. Yeah. I was just going to say, yeah. there's if, if that situation happened again, hopefully it won't. Yeah. Um, I would do the exact same thing. And, and, and you know, it, 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 And the temperatures were in the 40s. So I it was about like to say, it's cold, gonna... cold evening. The meat's no problem at all. I mean, now, now days afterwards, the meat's still good. Yeah. It's in the cool, cooler room and there's, there was absolutely no damage. That's uh, what started well, ended very well to yeah. our elation and to much relief. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think we need to talk about where, because I actually put on Instagram what, yeah. We already knew the answer. So it kind of, it wasn't fair. Because we'd already found the Eland, um, but I put on there the video of the shot and said, "What do you? What does everyone think?" And the general consensus was, I "Think you're gonna have to put the dogs on it. You probably find it, but you might not be dead." Um, a few people like either looked up Eland anatomy or had enough experience with with an Eland, which I think was fascinating that enough people have hunted them to know 
then they said this. They said, I think you probably got the diaphragm or the, the very bottom of the lungs. And, and you know, when, when I reviewed the footage, I said, man, I think the diaphragm. We've cut something there. Mm-hmm. And um, what we didn't know at the time was you had actually clipped the bottom of one of the lungs. Mm-hmm. And as, I mean, it, it's nearly impossible to think how you could have. But who knows what the arrow did when it went in there. And uh, one of the one of your followers actually sent you a diagram and said exactly the same thing. That was probably one of the most educated responses we had on yeah. that post. Yeah. And uh, fr- from a guy who hunts Africa plenty, and, and he clearly done his homework on that it one. It was Cor- Corey Norton. Yeah. He's a good friend of mine. So yeah, Corey's yeah. a great guy. Yeah. And Corey obviously knows what he's talking about because he, he was spot on, yeah. absolutely spot on. and. And and Corey called it exactly what I'd called that evening, and but it was interesting to see what the followers had to say. Yeah, what I think the most rewarding thing for me about that experience was, and this is graphic, but it's the truth. Walking up there and seeing the blood everywhere. Yeah, because everyone knows gut shot animal is going to lay down and, and eventually die, but it's uh, it's, it's a not horrible fun. way to go. Yeah, and you as a hunter, you feel awful that you're responsible for that agony. Yeah. Um, so to to walk up there and basically see the blood everywhere, quick death, um, that was very comforting. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and and once we'd seen that, like we said, we then knew that that animal did not suffer. Yeah. That animal was gone last night already, the evening yeah. before, and and it, it it was really a relief all round. Yeah, big time. You know, one other thing when we're walking up that hill with just dejected like didn't know what the outcome was going to be that the night before when we backed out we heard jackals howling yeah and you told me that that was like in the native culture a sign of good luck yeah absolutely it was as if the jackals or they they smell the they, they smell the opportunity uh-huh. they, they 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 sense the the death yeah. and for them they scavengers and what that that is one of the things we found the next morning yeah that they had the, been there and just to be quite frank, they ate his butthole out. Yeah, which the they, anus. Which dogs always eat the butt first. Yeah. And go and for the ass end. They, they did that, and the, and the crows. I couldn't believe that the crows beat us at sun up and popped the eye already, the, the, you know, the eye on the yeah. top side that I was gutted about the eye. You know, I'm a I'm a photo freak, so <laughs> it, if you've ever seen me in a panic, that's like, how do I fix this? Yeah. 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 But overall, just, I mean, nothing that, we, that was fit for human consumption was wasted, so... Happy ending to a, uh, a stressful situation. And all I can say is, you know, I think it's important to be transparent, which we were. We owned it. Whether we got lucky or not, at the end of the day, it hit along. That's what you strive for. And an eland is a big target, thankfully. <laughs> yeah, and, and Cable, you know, there's a lot to be said for that. Um, on this particular experience, we never went into this hunt. You or myself, and we, we, we joke about being BLB, blind, leading the blind, and and the listener might think, well, is it for him? Is it not for him? It's just the two of us being honest and just being realistic like many other hunters out there saying we're going to give it our best shot and we're trying as hard as we can. And sometimes all true hunters know things don't go according to the script or the plan. Mm-hmm. And to own those situations and to make a recovery on them is of utmost importance. We're not here when we make our videos or we tell, we share our stories like this with folks listening we're not here to only give you the best. We're not here to wrap and pack it and, 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 and give you a, a version that is seen as correct. 
we're giving him the version that is reality and mm-hmm. and, and 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 that's what i enjoy with you it's that it is our, our relationship has always been one way we're going to give it hell and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't but we're going to own up to our our shortcomings but we also succeed plenty mm. and and we walk away winning most of the time absolutely absolutely well i i think um in summing up the east cape bow hunting experience we don't have the most experience but uh like you said we gave it hell and Carl, I look forward to bringing the bow back. Sorry if that uh, is <laughs> intimidating. I'm happy I with at that. This point, uh, we're cool with it. I'm so, absolutely happy with that. We're I'm, only going to get better. Yeah, so. I'm. I'm. I'm not even a not even debate. You better bring that bow back. Uh, make sure it's the pink arrows again because yeah. uh, we've got a bit of flack for that this week with <laughs> our mates in Campia. But you so know what? Find. Jealousy <laughs> makes them nasty. And I'll end this off by telling everybody we don't shoot often but when we do we shoot the biggest that's right so to the rest of our competitors watch out <laughs> that segment was brought to you by big and j whitetail attractants check out the new apple scented lineup of whitetail attractants from big and j and you can find those as well as their entire lineup at big coming up next carl and i grab the bull by the horns on the most taboo topic we've touched yet we're talking giraffes right here on sci's lone star outdoor show I wish that I was a chunk of coal Way down deep in the belly of my soul I'd sparkle and I'd shine I might be a diamond in my own sweet time And I wish I was a chunk of coal Cable here, and if you're listening to this show, you probably like ARs. And I'm not talking about antler restrictions. I'm talking about, you know, ARs, modern sporting rifles. And Timber Creek Outdoors has the best way I've found to take your AR to the next level. It's the Enforcer Kit. It features high-end performance parts and jaw-dropping looks. It's perfect for sportsmen, competitors, firearms, enthusiasts, and people who trust their lives to their equipment, like you and I. When combined together, these parts improve usability, as well as ergonomics, big word there, and dependability of any small-framed modern sporting rifle. Timber Creek products are manufactured by Americans in the USA, God bless America, and they implement uncompromising quality control and offer a lifetime warranty. They've got a bunch of different color options, something for everybody. I've got a Hunter Green Enforcer Kit on my 224 Valkyrie. Absolutely love it. You will too. Check out the Enforcer Kit at TimberCreekOutdoorsInc.com. Hey y'all, Chris Letzinger, online sales manager at Cinnamon Creek Ranch here, reminding you we're not your typical archery club. Or a one-of-a-kind archery facility with indoor and outdoor ranges, full pro shop, and six different 3D courses. Cinnamon Creek was designed by hunters for hunters. Located in Roanoke, Texas, we have over 200 3D targets to hone your archery skills. Call 817-439-8998 or visit us at cinnamoncreekranch.com to visit our new online store. That's cinnamoncreekranch.com. No Justice bringing us back on SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show, Horseshoe Lake, the name of that one. Cable Smith here with you. Thanks for dropping by today. Thanks to Mossberg Firearms, our presenting sponsor. Uh, we're still visiting with 
my pal, my old buddy, my PH, Carl Van Sale of John X Safaris. And we've got a doozy of a topic to get into here momentarily. But first, this segment of the show is brought to you by Vortex Optics and the new Sun Slayer hoodie. This thing is designed to keep those harmful UV rays off your skin. It's light. It's breezy. It's basically like you have on a hoodie that doesn't really feel like a hoodie at all. It doesn't even really feel like you have on a shirt, to be frank. You can find the Sun Slayer at VortexOptics.com. And and you'll get 20% off all Vortex apparel when you use my promo code LONESTAR20 at checkout. Well, Carl, this segment's going to focus on something completely different and had nothing to do with bow hunting because this was an animal that, to be honest with you, I didn't have a bow. I don't think I could, even with 72 pounds, maybe enough kinetic energy. I don't know, but we weren't messing with it. We're going to be hunting giraffe with 375. And this is my was my fifth trip to Africa. I had never expressed any interest in hunting giraffe. Not that I, not that I was anti-giraffe hunting at all. Uh, my friend Glenn shot one the first year I was here. Yeah. It was awesome. And we ate it and and just I saw how big these animals were in the skinning shed. I wasn't there when it went down or it you know, wasn't part of that experience. But um, I thought in the back of my mind it was something I would eventually get to. And then there was two things that that tipped it over the scale for me. Number one, the United States keeps meddling in African wildlife, you know, our, our Fish and Wildlife Service, our the politicians who oversee a lot of this stuff keep trying to tell you guys what to do with your wildlife. Yeah. And I don't see you guys telling us what to do with ours. Yeah. So that kind of infuriates me. So they're trying to make giraffe now make, make it the big six. And I'm sure you've heard about this. Yes. But I adding have. it to the, the big five, which is dangerous game. Giraffe, not dangerous game. Yeah. Don't need to be included in the big five. And then also, well, so, so along with that, they're trying to ban the importation. Okay. Well, who's going to hunt a giraffe if you can't bring it back right exactly gable and 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 you know coming to your point of of folks sitting around a fire in africa wondering how somebody across the ocean can tell them how to manage their wildlife it's not that we don't need the first world we we need the first world and we need the the vested interests and we need the investment but it is a difficult pill to swallow for a for for most of southern africa who We've been prolific in, 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 in our efforts. We've been more successful than any any other model in the world with uh, our wildlife numbers. And, and contrary to popular belief in the first world countries and a, a, a lot of what Hollywood maybe drives, a certain agenda, um, wildlife is thriving. Uh, our wildlife is thriving at a level second to none. There's more wildlife and wild places today dedicated to wildlife only. And uh, yes, there are pockets where wildlife is under pressure, but it is important to differentiate what countries, what regions, and that Africa is a continent. Mm -hmm. I think that is one of the biggest challenges we face sitting in Africa. Yeah. Well, and I'll put it like the example I'm going to use on our video, which I encourage people to, it's going to be awesome. The video that we've made about the giraffe hunt, Um, from an educational standpoint, I hope that it opens some people's eyes. To, you know, saying, okay, I don't think I could personally hunt a giraffe. But as a hunter, I understand sustainable use hunting. And I get why it's necessary. Yeah, um, I think, Abel, you know, we, we went into that 
this is something close to our hearts. You and I have discussed this before, and I've always said that you, I, I respect you so much for the fact that you're willing to take on the things that are so sensitive, but you're willing to do it in a level-headed manner. You're not going guns blazing. You're saying, let me listen to this, let me listen to that, and let's see where we go with this. And, 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 and if one approaches it like that, I don't think we're ever going to change the anti-hunter's perspective on giraffe hunting. Mm -hmm. I mean, that, that was a given. We never went into that for that. But part of why we did the video we did, we also wanted to relate to our fellow hunters who sit on the fence wondering if it's for them or not for them. That was an important aspect that I, I wanted to tackle as well. Yeah. Or even if it isn't for them, they can still support it. Yeah. Right. Because, and we've used this example before, but why is a giraffe more important or why is it valued more than a kudu bull or a, a black wildebeest on the plains or a white-tailed deer back home in Texas. Why? I don't understand it. No, it, and it enjoys, and it always has enjoyed more emotional support than any of the other species. Mm -hmm. And and that, as much as Big the emotional support is there, I don't get it. It can be to the detriment. Yeah. If it continues. Uh huh. Well, yeah. Going back to the what U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, the 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 grumblings that I'm hearing, and the, the legislation that has been um, presented in a lot of cases is let's just ban the imports of importation of giraffe trophies. Okay, well, we have an example of what happened in Texas where we, as a state, private landowners essentially saved the existence of the scimitar horned orcs. And that's an animal that's not native to South Africa, but it is an uh, it's African species, yeah? Yeah. And they tried to tell us, okay, we, we're not going to let you hunt these things. And if you do, the permitting process is going to be so difficult that it's not going to be worth your time. You know what happened? Fire they had a sale. fire sale on Oryx in Texas. Hey, yeah. this animal used to be valued at $3,000, $4,000. Come shoot one for 500 bucks, 1000 bucks, because we don't want them on a property anymore. Yeah, it's not worth it. Yeah. So uh, that's the reality is these animals exist because they have a value. Right? We, we all love wildlife, but we also have to make a living. Yeah, you know, Cable, ultimately at the end of the day, the, the, the regions of Africa, and, and to bring the listen up to speed, Africa sits with plus minus 120,000 giraffe. Mm -hmm. uh, that's kind of where we're at now. Southern Africa boasts more than 70% of that number. Um, and then... So th geographically, what other countries are you talking about? So so you, we, we, we giraffe are prolific. It's South Africa, Namibia... Uh, Botswana, Zimbabwe, Zambia, um, and you know those are your th those are your, your 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 areas that are really prolific. And then the south of Mozambique, in okay. the south of Mozambique, and this is where seventy percent of the world's population Correct. exists. Okay. Exactly, and then we sit with small pockets where giraffe are in trouble, and that's on the East Africa. Um, and interestingly, those are the countries that are not for sustainable utilization for no hunting like kenya yeah yeah for example yeah. um so those are the countries that sit in trouble and angola which with a turbulent past has not been able to get a hunting industry up and going and i bet you angola would be able to turn it around if uh, if they got their hunting industry up and going mm -hmm. well you just hear this blanket statement you know back home in the states 
Giraffe are endangered. Why would you ever hunt a giraffe? They're endangered. Why would you kill an endangered? It's the same as elephant. And it's the same as relating it to the United States, the Florida panther. That's a mountain lion that is endangered in the Florida Everglades. Would any hunter worth its salt ever try to hunt one of those? Absolutely not. You know where we would would hunt them? Colorado, Montana, Texas, everywhere in between where it's legal to hunt them, where they're not endangered. Yeah. So it's like you can't you can't just have a blanket statement because it's a case by case situation. Yeah, and 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 you know, Cable, the, the interesting thing about this is that we, we we at a crossroad with the information being fed uh, to the listener. Let's say if you can call it that to the anybody's willing to engage. Um, you know, it's so many bold statements to make giraffe are endangered like you say and realities we have to get the facts straight but the reality is so too that those areas where giraffe are endangered that's a warning sign to us that if there's not a sustainable use model be careful mm-hmm. because there's proof of what can happen yeah yeah so you want to go and and blanket punish a situation and you want to turn this into a a fire sale devalue these animals and you'll have the same thing happening to a giraffe as what happened to Scimitarix. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's no doubt. There's no doubt. And and we knew that this was going to hit a nerve with a lot of people mm. before we did it. But, yeah. uh, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't, I'm not going to apologize for that. It, it, it's part We're of the sustainable... We're going to do it tactfully, but I'm not going to apologize for it. Absolutely, Cable. It was, I said to you before we went into this, I said, it's not for everyone, but we have to treat it no different to how we treat a kudu, a springbuck, or a yeah. hemsback. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the actual hunt itself, we spent we spent more time on it than I thought we would. Yeah. Looking for the right bull. Yeah. And um we looked at a couple bulls. One was not the age class that we wanted. He was an up and comer. And then the other one, big, big giraffe, but he was a little lighter skinned. Yeah. And if you're going to shoot one giraffe in your life, you want it to be the one that you want. Yeah. And if in the in we had the luxury of looking at other giraffe because of sustainable use hunting. Yeah, absolutely. There's a it lot is. of giraffe here. Absolutely, it's it's it is absolutely no need to to squeeze the trigger on something you're not hundred percent sure on or what you like. You just keep looking. That's mm-hmm. the beauty about what you know the abundance in Africa. And so we ended up going to another place where. You actually had a history with this specific giraffe, and the, and the landowner gave us some information on this giraffe too, which I thought was um, pretty cool. Before yeah. we even went on the hunt, we knew this giraffe was over twenty-five years old. Yeah, the, the landowner interestingly said to us that he has known this giraffe for twenty-one years since he's bought the property, and uh, when he got there, that giraffe's really mature. So let's say we guess him at the giraffe who've been five years of age considering the judgment of maturity from the landowner at the 21 years we're north of 25 years and and it's most certainly not that i don't well it would be the only proof i have of probably one of the oldest giraffe i've ever hunted yeah yeah he had um one horn busted off yeah which these things fight no- notoriously yeah i asked you i said do they, do they really ever hurt each other when they fight yeah, no, no, they they do, and 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 they kill each other. You know, when they neck, if 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 a bull hits another one just on the sweet spot, it's over. 
And they're, uh, they're headbutting each other. They, they, they they're actually hitting each other with a neck, but the head swings around, uh-huh. and they can do immense damage to one another. And that does happen from time to time. And and they do kill each other. So this bull might have swung and hit another one. You don't know what happened, but he had one horn missing, and that was very unique, very different. Which I liked. I was like, cool. Yeah. I, I like character. The skull's like, going to be very cool. Yeah. And and knowing how old he was, that he, you know, he could have lived another year, maybe two, who knows. But he was up there, like getting to the ancient status. And so, again, the right animal to take. Yeah. Um, and just the most beautiful hide dark spots um just stunning when i saw him through well i didn't we just saw him like the first time i was like gosh this beautiful animal and i just again blown away with how big he was um but the 375 was true we did study the anatomy of the giraffe um because totally different from anything else one would hunt as far as where the heart is. Yeah, you know, the uh, short placement was interesting, and I ran through that with you, and I'm glad I did because you, you sure did take good note of that. It was, you know, if I gave you a pen to draw in the picture, that's what you did out in the field, and lovely to see. Off the sticks, quick reaction. You put one onto his right shoulder. He turned around, ran about 50 yards, stopped. You put one onto his left shoulder, and it looked like it was one shot, but it was two shots, both shoulders, exactly the same placement, and... Um, right through the heart, mm-hmm. both shots, and he he went down maybe what fifty yards from there. It's yeah. always interesting for folks when they see a lot of African game hit square in the heart, and they don't just go down. They they always kind of run run a bit, and unfortunately, you and I were not able to see it going down. We were trying to kind of get around and hope hoping that the giraffe would not make it down into the the wooded forest below it down, and then the big job would start. That's another thing that you have to consider is if you take a draft, can you get it out of where, where you're Absolutely. hunting? Absolutely. Like, um, I'm sure, and I know previously you had situations where you didn't have the luxury of, of a JCB yeah. or a Caterpillar coming in and hauling the draft out. And I'm sure that, that those projects were... Oh, all day affairs. All day affairs. All yeah. day affairs. Today we able to bring the giraffe back to the shed. We were able to actually work that giraffe there. You assisted us beautifully. And do go and watch the video, folks, when it is released. Uh, because uh, we, we did a time lapse of that happening and, and, and then of the skinning. We've, so we loaded on the Land Cruiser um, after gutting it, obviously. And the cruiser took all the weight. Barely made it. And <laughs> We we brought it back to we Woodlands. We covered it yeah. with a tarp too. Yeah, because we did. We are conscious of the anti hunters out there. Oh, absolutely. We're not know. trying to draw attention to ourselves. Um, the, you know, yeah, unneeded attention. Yeah, it's it's, it's not necessary it to upset. You know, upset or scratch a scab. Mm-hmm. It's not necessary. We we're trying to engage in a respectful manner uh, to stress the port the importance there of of hunting giraffe and. And, 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 and we were able to bring it back here, like you said, covered with a top. And uh, then we immediately got working to it. And and, and now the, the guy is actually kind of uh, working. It will probably be a two, three-hour affair, yeah. getting all the meat. Well, I gave uh, Corky plenty of Havilon blades. So. Yeah, he's excited, <laughs> except he's not telling anybody, Gable. <laughs> so Corky's keeping those close to his chest. Yeah. Well, I told you at the beginning of this, there was two reasons why I wanted to do it. And yeah. one was just the idea that they're going to tell us that we can't. Yeah. Right? Okay. But the second one, my kids wanted me to shoot a giraffe. And well, that's so a, cool. I was not believe say it. no to their kids? It's like, I was like, huh, okay. Well, sure. Why not? So. Well, that's so cool, man. And, and, and then to be able to 
tell the story um and hopefully just bring a positive light to the reality that giraffe is just like any other animal and an old animal dying from hunter's bullet sure sounds a lot better than dying of disease or being you know eaten alive by lions or whatever else the african bush can throw at them um that's not a pleasant thing but that's reality yeah everything dies yeah it's just a matter of everything when and where yeah, no, absolutely, Gable. And this has been something that's been close to our hearts, and I'm glad we took it on. Mm-hmm. Um, we've spoken about it, you and I, in the truck for hours on end. You know, on our various experiences together. On how safari. do we? We've talked about how do we even say it? What words do we want to put out there? And and you we know, and we've I, put a lot of thought into. And it. we battled. I'll yeah. tell you. I'll tell the listener right now that putting this video together for this draft, and it wasn't it wasn't easy because we, we know it's sensitive. Yeah. Usually, the camera camera's on, and you and I just knock it out. Yeah, and then we're like, that's easy, and then. This one, we're like, cut, I don't like the way that I said that. Yeah. Or, or, and then we sit there and we think about how do we, how do we communicate this thought yeah. tastefully? Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, it was one that we put, I think we put probably the most thought into this one. Yeah, and, and, and I hope the, the viewer will, 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 will go and look at it and give it some thought before necessarily judging it. Mm-hmm. Just Just stop and pause for a second and just recognize the fact that the equation works for whitetail deer north america for a springbuck in the karoo in south africa and why when it's proven should it not be working for a giraffe mm-hmm. absolutely well i enjoyed it at the end of the day it was uh, fun and, and walking up on that ancient old bull was absolutely surreal just the size and sheer beauty of the giraffe um Something I won't forget. And something that I hope that if my kids want to experience someday, Carl, that they get to at the end of the day. I'll be, yeah. They can can bet on me. I'll be ready to do it again. (laughs) Well, I appreciate it, my friend. Thanks for all that you do for conservation as well. Thank you, Cable. And, yeah, thanks for the message, my man. And yes, to many folks thinking about hunting a giraffe and, and, and doing their bit for conservation too, like you have. Thanks, mate. Appreciate you. So there you have it. My latest interview recorded in the John X Safaris Camp on South Africa's Eastern Cape. A beautiful place, by the way. Uh, something I hope that each and every one of you get to experience at some point in your lifetime. Uh, certainly worthy of putting on that old bucket list. That segment of the show brought to you by a service that I am using actively damn near every day, and that is Onyx Hunt. As I'm planning my New Mexico elk hunt, I've drawn a tag in a unit that I've never hunted, to be honest with you. So what am I relying on for, obviously, uh, national forest boundaries, but also, and equally as important, topography and geographical points and references that I want to hone in on. Where is water, for example? What about those north-facing slopes that I know big bulls like to bet up on? All that stuff I use Onyx Hunt for. And you'll get 20% off your subscription when you use my promo code LONESTAR20 at Onyx Hunt when you are planning your next backcountry hunt. Um, Coming up next, we will head to the John X Safari's kitchen and take a look at some incredibly delicious venison recipes with head chef Lee Phillips right here on SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show. Plays for beer and bars. 
In the market for a compact track loader, then check out the Bobcat Advantage, where Bobcat track loaders squared off against other brands in a variety of tests and challenges. Whether you're looking for performance advantages, uptime protection, or quality design, Bobcat compact track loaders are the best built machines in the industry. But don't take our word for it. Watch the videos at BobcatAdvantage.com or see Bobcat machines in person at Bobcat of North Texas in Louisville, Fort Worth, Cedar Hill, Longview, McKinney, Paris, and Sherman. Visit BobcatofDallas.com today. If there's one company I rely on the most at the Deer Lease, it's All Seasons Feeders. Not only do they make great feeders, stand and fills and 300, 600, even 1,000-pound models, but I keep telling you the Big Chingone and its little brother, the Little Chingone, are as good as it gets when it comes to introducing your kids into the outdoors. Kids don't want to be wet and cold. They want to be high and dry. The Big and Little Chingone offer that in droves. It's got carpet, cup holders, windows for both archery and rifle. You can find it all right there at allseasonsfeeders.com. Eat steak, eat steak, eat a big old steer. Eat steak, eat steak, do we have one deer? Eat beef, eat beef, it's a mighty good food. It's a great day when I'm in the Cowpokes will come from a near and far when you throw a few ribeyes on the farm. Roberta Duran, two before a fire. Cable Smith, welcome everybody back to SCI. Star Outdoor Show, presented by Mossberg Firearms. This is the Africa 2021 episode, edition number two, because uh, we were fortunate enough to get to the Dark Continent twice so far this year. And, uh, you know, one of my favorite things about those trips is the culinary experience that Lee Phillips provides from the John X Safari's kitchen. It is absolutely mind-blowing. I come back having gained probably 10 pounds every time, and the variety of wild game preparations that she comes up with, not only are they just mouth-watering, but they're so diverse. Every meal is its own adventure, and uh, we're going to have Lee join us here momentarily, but first... This segment is brought to you by SCI, the worldwide leader in big game conservation. This group continues to put its money where its mouth is when it comes to protecting your rights as a hunter, educating the non-hunting public on sustainable use hunting, and of course, furthering the conservation initiative across the globe. You can find us at safariclub.org. Well, let's go ahead and roll my conversation uh, that we taped at the John X Safaris Camp last week with perhaps my favorite wild game chef of all time. Nobody does it better, in my opinion. And uh, I've spent five weeks of my life now eating her food. (laughs) It's my pleasure to be joined by Lee Phillips of John X Safaris. I know this is not your favorite thing to do, but we appreciate it because your food is so good. Uh, and you've got a recipe that I think I maybe tried in February for the first time That's uh, when I was here. Maybe I was lucky to have it twice this week. But And it's like a cold um, – do you use the backstrap for it? Yes, that's correct. Um, it's actually really simple to make, and you can use absolutely any venison to do it with. And so what do you call it? Um, I would. You haven't named it yet. No, I haven't <laughs> named it. <laughs> you put me on the spot. So I would say you could call it um, rare, spicy um, backstrap, I guess. Uh-huh. But it's very versatile. So you can eat it as a cold meat um, with a lunch, or you can serve it as an hors d'oeuvre. Mm-hmm. It keeps really well in the fridge. But let me take you through how it's made. It's okay. really simple. So 
You're going to prepare your back strap, take off all the sinews um, and have the meat um, covered with some olive oil, some fresh garlic that you've chopped up, rosemary. Now, this is very, very important. Rosemary, I believe, is the secret to a good venison. It takes also the wild taste out of venison um, if you're worried that your venison's a bit wild. Um, and then I use barbecue spice. Now, I know in the U.S. you guys have very a lot of sugar in your barbecue spice. So if you can try and search in your supermarkets for one that contains a bit less sugar. And then a spice called pepper steak, which is really a mixture of pepper and chilies. Mm -hmm. And you rub this all on your back strap. Um, and preferably, if you can leave it for a half a day out of the fridge just okay. to sit and obviously it's winter with us so you're not yeah. going to try this in summer you're not going to leave it out the fridge but in winter um, you just let all those flavors absorb into the meat and then depending on the size of your meat um, it's really quick um, so for something the size of an impala can you help me here? what's the same size in your country yeah like a small white-tailed deer yeah, uh -huh. you would um, put it in the oven at uh, 385 Fahrenheit for four minutes on the one side. You'll turn it, do it another four minutes on the other side, and then it should be pretty much ready. But Have you, you already sliced it? No, 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 no. Oh, you put it in a hole. Yes. Okay. Yes. So um, then if you're happy with and the That's four minutes? Uh, per side. Okay. Yeah, on that's an, it. On an Impala-sized animal. Okay. Yes. What about let's say for you a kudu for us an elk okay so kudu it would be up to 10 minutes per side uh -huh. or maybe eight so you need to just decide what's the level of rareness that you like Rare. but the se <laughs> okay so then eight minutes or so okay and then this the big secret however is you do yours is how i want mine to be. okay yeah. perfect yeah. so when it comes out the oven very importantly take it out that hot pan but uh -huh. don't get rid of your olive oil and all those lovely flavors okay because what you do then once the meat's cold you very thinly slither it and then you dip it through that oil that's now cooled down with all those flavors in uh-huh and so, not only does the meat have the flavor on the outside, but also on the inside, because now you've cut it. Uh -huh. um, and then it's good to serve. If you need to put it in the fridge and keep it there for a day or two before serving, no problem. But then, just before serving, take it out about an hour before the time, so that those olive oil and those juices have had time to, you know, get to room temperature. Okay. But, yeah, very good. And So, you uh, slice it and then you leave it in the pan in its own... Juices, yes. They're everything, that goodness that's sitting there. In yeah. The pan. Okay. Yeah. And then I. Do you, do you use a slicer or do you slice by hand? No, or? just with a very sharp chef's knife. Uh -huh. That's and all. Like the thickness of the cut. I, it's kind of like, um, I don't know, like it's roast thin. beef or something. Yeah, it's very thin. Yeah. It's the, the th as thin as you can go. Uh -huh. I think that's the secret. And part of the reason how this actually came about is sometimes I don't get very tender meat. Uh -huh. It's tough. Maybe the animals are run a bit or whatever. And by slicing it very thin, you can get away with, you know, it seems quite tender. Yeah. So the thicker you slice it, if your meat's not tender, it's going to feel tough to chew. So it's one way of dealing with tough meat. It's a nice, uh -huh. flexible recipe. Well, I think the first night we in camp, we had um, we had it on like crostinis, like yes. an appetizer or yes. like hors d'oeuvres. And then I, I had it with uh, for lunch one day. Yes, correct. With, um, that was like the main course. Of yes, the lunch. with and salads gosh, and whatever. Yeah. We, Carl Grant and I came in from hunting and we we're just like, this is the best lunch ever. Oh, so, good. Yeah, just something that's uh, something different. Yes. But that I found just as savory as anything that you make. And 
Thank you. know you. how much I love your cooking. So Thanks. Yeah. Uh, I appreciate you sharing that uh, that recipe with us. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I told you only one recipe, but since <laughs> I have you here, yeah, we had one of my other favorite meals that you make, we had last night, and it is um, basically, is it the shin of the the, the oh, animal so last okay. time you had like a braised yes, shank maybe yes 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 so what you do it is a shin you're quite correct uh-huh. um and i slice it about just thicker than a thumb what maybe kind, a man's so what kind of thumb. saw do you use uh electric like uh-huh. uh okay yeah saw I, i'm not sure what you guys would use yeah. what, a, what a butcher would use those yeah, kind of saws right. uh-huh. yeah and i only cut the meat up to the first knuckle of the leg okay um, you can go a bit higher if you wish, but that meat I can use for other things. So mm-hmm. I use, and it's very important, I find that the stew is delicious because you have the bone and so therefore the marrow. So you have that sweetness. The marrow is the thing that I'm digging for. I'm well, like, I think some people aren't getting the actual bone parts out of the dish. Yes. I'm like looking for those specifically. Yes, because the marrow is delicious. Yeah, yeah uh-huh. correct. So um, that's a very slow done dish. Um, I would say it cooks for at least eight hours. Okay. Um, we use a slow cooker because it really gets it nice and tender. But the idea is to season your, your meat now and it, it takes a while to collect a few animals and just get enough to make a big stew. But, I mean, if you're just a family, then, you know, one animal should cover it. Right. Um, and what I do is I fry up some onion and I season my meat with some barbecue spice and a bit of chili or whatever you like to season your meat with. Mm-hmm. And I fry it in the pan for a bit to get it nice and brown, get those juices going. And then I um, I put it into the slow cooker with some rosemary again, my secret yeah. weapon for <laughs> venison. I've got some in the garden. Yeah. Yes, oh, yeah. yes, yes, yes. So highly recommend that. Um, and I use some thyme and sage and whatever herbs I have access to. Fresh herbs are always preferable. Uh-huh. That's my opinion. Um, some nice coarse black pepper. I do not recommend you put salt in, only right at the end. Um, salt... Definitely, it, it has to do with the toughness, I find. It, you need to add salt only at the end, so when your meat's nice and tender. And um, then I fill it up with some water and then a cup of or two of red wine. It just depends how much stew you're making. Uh-huh. And uh, But you don't always have to use red wine. Sometimes I use sherry, like a sweet sherry, a dessert kind of a wine. Yeah, like, okay, like yeah. a port wine or something. Yes, okay. so it's not quite as tart as a wine, like yeah. a red wine. And um, so basically that's all you do. And you slow cook it the whole day until that evening. And then I thicken it up. I pour the juice off, uh, off of the meat. And I use some flour and some more herbs. Again, at this point, I add uh, fresh rosemary because I feel that the rest of it's now cooked out. Mm-hmm. So that fresh taste right at the end. So and you add flour. Okay, so how do you get like, yeah. the flour so into the So I make a roux. Dish? So okay. I take a bit of that liquid uh-huh. and I just make a bit of a roux just to thicken the sauce because you don't want it so runny. Yeah, because it doesn't come out like a soup or like a stew because no. you're eating the meat yes. just as, as the main course. It's almost course. like meat with gravy on it, yeah. but oh. it's in the gravy. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Correct. And then again, right at the end here, I do a bit of sherry. Um, I don't think one can taste that there's sherry in it, 
but it adds to the sweetness mm-hmm. and it just works really well with the venison. Well, the food this week just, it blows me away every time. So that's one Thanks. of the things I look forward to the most when I come. Great. And I heard a rumor that we're having a Cape Buffalo tail tonight. That so is correct. I'm we looking did. forward to that yep, as well. We so. are, we are. Well, and your favorite dessert, by the way, Cable. I feel bad about asking No, no, peanut butter ice cream and brandy oh, snap. So good. That's on the so menu. Good. I don't eat dessert back <laughs> home. I only eat it when I'm that's here. So you say. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, hey, thank so much lee um i appreciate your time awesome begrudgingly i know <laughs> but, uh, I, I do so much enjoy your cooking so thanks for sharing this with us thanks a lot so there she goes chef lee phillips of john x safaris and uh it's kind of a running joke between carl and i because we know lee hates it but she has to do it so <laughs> just, i mean her food is like a big part of the uh, john x experience and uh, anyway Thank you so much, Lee. Uh, also, thanks, of course, to her brother, Carl Van Seal, both of our guests today as we are flat out of time. Uh, that segment was brought to you by Stealth Cam and the new Fusion X wireless trail camera. You can find it as well as Stealth Cam's entire lineup of trail cameras right there at StealthCam.com. I even left some uh, in Africa with John X, so maybe they'll send me some sweet leopard videos. Uh, who knows? Um, thanks to all of our sponsors for making this show possible. Thanks to you the listener, for being a part of SCI's Lone Star Outdoors show. Until next time, I'm Cable Smith saying, y'all have a great week in the outdoors. Much water run under that old bridge. There's 